You know, Neil, it's only been two and a half weeks since you and I last spoke on a podcast. And my luck ran out today. It did, it did, actually. I, I uh, kidnapped you and brought you to the house. Welcome to the For Those Who Inquired podcast. I'm your host, Edward Marlowe, here with Neil Bradley, who's wearing an awesome mouse rat t-shirt. With dog hair all over. Yeah, but just enough. just walk me through. What, mouse rat, isn't that a band? From Parks and Recreation? Yes. Okay. Well, but my wife is the one, the dishwasher is the one who's so well in tuned, but I've talked to you enough and her enough to know that without seeing the show. It's Andy Dwyer's band, one of the names, but they have a zillion names. Mm. Some of them are a bit obscene, so we won't discuss some of them. No, that's still amazing. That's absolutely phenomenal. So I was saying, you and I haven't podcasted, like I said, about two and a half weeks, so much has happened in that two and a half weeks, especially on the Murray State front. I just want to get right into this. Look at the last two games for Murray State women's basketball. Just a complete, what, like I don't even know how to describe it. You have this amazing effort against Austin P. that, for lack of a better term, basically just peters out by the end of the game. Mm-hmm. Austin P. shoots 91%, I think, from the floor in the fourth quarter. Scores 32 points. Again, we're digging up old scars here. Tough loss at home. You want to win all your home games. And then they rebound and they beat Kentucky. At Kentucky. Correct me if I'm wrong here. First win against Kentucky in 50 years. Is that right? Since 73, I think. So so 49 and a half years. I was a junior in high school. Rochelle didn't exist. I would assume none of the players, parents, existed most likely i mean that's how long ago that was it's a long time ago it's unbelievable and here's the thing i want to just 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 want to take a look at a couple box scores here and i want to this is why i want to open up with women's basketball because what a week that they have actually they deserve to be the lead oh murray state men's basketball since you and i last spoke has gone four and one by the way and they can't get the lead tonight they're not the lead sorry no No, you and I have been super busy the last two or three weeks traveling, bouncing back and forth. You've been to Bellarmine and back, so have I. You know, you had to go to Valpo, but yes, this is absolutely the lead. And you want to take a look at, again, again, excuse me, it wasn't, it wasn't, no, it was. It was 91% from the field. Yes. Yeah. I know you have to look multiple times, but when I first looked at it, I went, that can't be right. They went 91, they shot, they made 11 of 12 baskets. They shot 81% from the free throw line. And then for the game, again, you take a look at the first quarter, they shot two for 13. So you you knew that there was probably a, a law of averages. Yeah, they're not going to be that bad. They're not going to be two of 13 for the rest of the game. But that's where like they started to gain rhythm and Murray State started to lose a little bit of that rhythm. This is a game where Caitlin Young, and this is again, again Austin P. this is a game where Caitlin Young went off for 32 points. She drew 10 fouls. She went 13 of 15 from the line. She had seven rebounds. I mean, she had another 30-point game. This is coming after a 30-point game that she'd had at UT Martin. Like, just what she's doing right now offensively is insane. Absolutely insane. But for whatever reason, the offense just kind of trickled out. They went 0 for 8 from 3 in the second quarter, 1 for 4 in the third, and then in the fourth, they too played well. They shot 60% from the floor. Four of six from three, five of six from the free throw line, and they lost seventy-one to sixty-seven because Austin P was so efficient in that final quarter. Again, dredging up tough things, but here's the big difference too: they got thirty bench points, 
They carved the paint 46 to 22, and they scored 20 points off of Murray State's 16 turnovers. And that's how you lose a tough game despite your amazing start. And then we say all these things to follow up the fact that they went to Kentucky and won. Uh, Neil, you watched a lot of that game. Uh, walk me through what you saw and how they were able to do it. Yeah, I went home uh, Friday night. Uh, I think we had a TV show or something we were going to watch. We watched that, and then the wife, she teaches during the day, works for a living. You know, I'm, I'm the bum. Mm-hmm. So uh, I said, I- I'm watching this game. So I watched uh, the game while I uh, worked on a couple other things. And uh, they got the lead early, basically led the entire game, uh, didn't allow any run by UK. The The defense was phenomenal. The rebounding was really good as well. But uh, this is a team, remember, Tuesday night gave up 32 points in a quarter. Yeah. They go into an SEC gym and give up 44 for the game. Right. Uh, stunning. And they had to do this. Caitlin Young, foul trouble. Up. Oh. It's over, right? Yeah. Nope, it's not. Call it a day. They stepped up and played so well defensively. And to me, the stat that speaks volumes, first of all, Jordan Hughes, we got to talk about her. She oh, had 15 I'm, points, stepped up, made big shots. Maybe the game of her life. She needed the off, they needed the offense from somebody because uh, Caitlin was out of the game. And then, uh, so Jordan stepped up, made big shots. Macy Turley had, I would assume, the worst shooting game she's ever had in her life. From the field, she was 0 for 14 or 15? 14. 0 for 14. She didn't hit a three. Neil, if you had told me she'd gone 0 for 14 from the floor, I would have said this would have been a 25-point loss. But everything you need to know about Macy is in this game. You go, what, she stinks? No, no, she, she doesn't. She had a bad shooting game. She's the smallest player on the floor, so she has no business leading her team in rebounding. But what'd she do? She led the team in rebounding. She got eight rebounds. Five, of, five of them offensive. Face, faced SEC pressure the whole game. Did she turn it over? No, two times. Two times. Yep. Five assists. Correct. That's a big reason why they won. Uh, and she hit both of her free throws, of course. Late. But, my goodness, she didn't sulk. She wasn't didn't let it affect the rest of her game. Like, well, obviously I'm having a bad game, so to crap with this, she dug in there and what can I do to help my team win? That's the you know, Rochelle has the we over me. That's it right there. We over me. If it was a me, if she was a me person, she would have stunk across the board and she did not. Uh, as a matter of fact, Macy was second in rebounding on the floor. Um AJ Petty. I think it's is that how you pronounce yeah. her name? AJ Petty? All right. uh, Sounds good to me. She is the uh, sixth woman for Kentucky. Uh, talented player. She had 11 points, nine rebounds. So Macy was the highest plus minus on the floor for the game for both teams. Plus 10. And you see, you wouldn't think that if you just took a look at, oh, well, she didn't make a shot from the field. And that's true. But she found ways to impact winning. Yeah. And they won because of her and the other players who found ways to impact winning. Here's the other thing, too, in a close game like this, and you look at the small, nuanced numbers that help you win a game like this you go five for ten from three so you didn't just jack up threes you took you took smart threes was what i would call when you shoot 10 the very calculated threes and you out rebounded kentucky period Mm -hmm. you you out rebounded them on their floor 42 to 35 and that includes a plus three offensive rebounding edge and a plus four defensive rebounding edge and despite turning the ball over 17 times you only gave up nine points on those turnovers, which means you got back on transition defense and you played well in the half court. And then you look at the balanced scoring because Macy 
kind of was struggling to find her shot. Four of her shots were blocked. You had Caitlin Young with 14 points despite despite foul trouble. Uh, Jordan Hughes was outstanding leading the team in scoring. Bria Sanders-Woods bounced back from a really tough game against Austin P. where she had five turnovers. She had four against this team, but she had seven points, three rebounds. She was three for seven from the field, made a couple really big transition uh, layups as well. And then Hannah McKay, who's been, you know, I don't even want to say relegated to a bench role. She's playing starters minutes. She had eight points and four rebounds and and made one a, a key three, you know, in the game. And then, of course, Caitlin Young was, you know, 14 and seven. And that's a limited day for her. You, you, you're right, Neil. You take a look at these numbers and you're just like, how did this happen? Well, you shot about the same as Kentucky and you just played better defense. Kentucky looked reliant on the three. And yeah. that's the thing. They went two for 17, and I think it cost them the game. I think in, in fairness to them, uh, it's a good team. They're a talented team. I think they'll they'll do well in the SEC. I, I mean, that's a tough league to win. But uh, they're still looking for Ryan Howard on the floor, and she's not there. They're going to have to get past that at some point and yeah. figure out who the team leader is, who's going to be the go-to person for them, because Ryan Howard just made, ah, we're in trouble. Let's get her the ball. Let's go get a basket. And things went well, and she's not there. So they'll, they're going to have to come up with a solution. They have a little more time to work it out before they get to SEC play. A few things that I'd like to mention. Uh, eight games now for the Murray State women who play Bellarmine on Tuesday night at home before going into their Missouri Valley slate. You've got – at Bellarmine. Uh, it's at Bellarmine, right? Uh, is it? Yeah. I thought it was here. Well, double check. Oh, my goodness. I, I'm, now you got me all flustered here. It is at Bellarmine. Yeah. Man. That makes me sad. I thought it was here. No. <laughs> Jeez, I'm glad you asked me to double-check that. 5.30 on Tuesday yeah, at yeah. Bellarmine. It'll be on ESPN Plus and, of course, WNBS 97.9 FM with Jeremy Rose on the call. I thought for sure that was here. And, and one of the strange things in that game, Caitlin Young. She's awesome. She's tall. How tall is Caitlin? 6'2", six, 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 two? Six, two, I think. I believe she's that's right. 6'2". Six, six, two. Two. Let's get the official thing. I am going to get the official thing. We have the internet right here at our disposal. Caitlin Young is officially listed at 6'1". 6'1". So what she'll do is go up to the center from Bellarmine, and she'll go, hi, little girl, because she's 6'6". Their leading scorer, 6'6", Gracie Merkel. Mm. I saw her uh, last year at the state tournament Mm -hmm. at Bullet East. Mm -hmm. They would lob it down to her. Of course, it's the high school. Low block, she'd turn around and hit layups. Uh and she leads them in scoring and rebounding this season as a freshman. Hmm. She's a really good player. They got a lot of size. They yeah, have they uh, one of Hannah McKay's teammates who played at Tennessee Tech. Uh, they have a Belmont transfer. They have a UT Martin transfer. So a lot of transfers uh, on the roster and a lot of size that they will throw at the uh, racers. Okay. Yeah. Let's just go through that really quick. They have uh, – that's not the only transfer. They got a grad transfer, Jalea Johnson who uh, is from Toledo, uh, Amaya Curry from Apollo. Uh, yeah, Ashley Harris from Sacred Heart. I mean, it's uh, – let's see who else they've got. Oh, my goodness, yeah. Uh, well, it's a pretty deep roster. Yeah, Gracie Merkel right there, 6'6", from Bullet East. And she is super good. You are not wrong about yep. that. Yep. Her, her issue last year was a little heavy. She's lost some of that weight. She'll still probably b- – to dominate that league will need to lose a little more. To be at the spot where she already is, sophomore, junior year, not going to want any part of this team in the A-Sun. And they've already played 12 games. <laughs> you know, I'm telling you, they're not going to want any part of them. 
they're gonna they're gonna really be good. Yeah, as a matter of fact, while we're breaking this down, hang on a second here. We've got Gracie Merkel's averaging twelve points per game, nine point eight rebounds. You've got Haley Harrison at eleven point four points per game. Cam Browning, eight point three. Bit of balance Belmont here. Belmont transfer. Yep. And then you've got Claire Nyes, five six. Shaniqua Cotney is five six. Allie Averick, four point five. Jayla Butler, 4.0. So, yeah, absolutely a ton of, ton of balance there. Wow. And they've had, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight players. And then Lydia Reinbold has played 10 games. They've had eight players play 12 games, play play all, in all 12 of their games. Glad you brought that up, Neil, because that's the one thing that I kind of wanted to look at here with the, the women before we shift to other things is the fact that you have Rochelle's roster. Let me bring the tab up here. Rochelle's roster right now, she's played – Let's see. Caitlin Young, Macy Turley, Jordan Hughes, Hannah McKay, Bria Sanders-Woods, the Hyphenator, Alexis Burpo, Jada Black, Brazina Horvath, Case and Connor. That's nine. Two, three, four. Yeah, pretty much that's, that's her rotation. That's, that's her rotation. That's nine. And then the tenth player that's been getting in has been a veritable mix of let's take a look at somebody and what see what we we've need, got, yeah. what, what, what minutes we've got, are they getting better, you know, so far, so you know, so on and so forth. The one thing that needs to happen roster wise, and I'll, Rochelle's gonna be on the Hey Coach show this week, so I'll, I'll ask her about it. I don't yeah. know if it's injury related or what. Hannah McKay's not shooting it anywhere like she has in the past. Correct. So I don't know if she's you know just in a slump, if it's something to do with an injury. But if it's nothing to do with an injury, uh, averages are averages for a reason. She if 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 it's not injury related, if she gets back to form. Watch out, NBC. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And the the 10th person I would actually mention is is Briley Pena, uh, who's not particularly shooting it well, but she's played in seven games. Yeah. I'd say she's probably the 10th. She's the I freshman. think right now she knows her role isn't to shoot threes. No. Will be someday maybe, but it isn't right now. Well, and the other thing that I want to mention too, and when we talk about this depth, you're, you're talking about Hannah McKay. She's still playing 23 minutes. Yeah. You, you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven women uh, six women specifically playing 20 minutes, and then Jada's playing 15. And so, Hannah's playing well. Her three just isn't falling. She's yeah. really having a tough time. And she's getting good looks. She's getting the looks she's always gotten. And those will fall. They just haven't fallen yet. I want to let, – let's just – because of the Kentucky game, Macy Turley's shooting percentages look really weird right now. She's shooting 53% from three, 19 for 36. But she is shooting 36% from the floor. And that's because she missed 13 two pointers <laughs> right. against Kentucky. It skewer stats, and it's dropped her two point. And I know that her two point jumper probably isn't falling as much as she would like for right. it to, but her three is absolutely money. And you talk about defense outside of that tough fourth quarter against Austin P. Teams are shooting 38 percent from the field and 28 percent from three against this racer squad, and that's why they're six and two. Yeah, they and make free throws. Uh, they're one of the top teams in the country in free throw percentage. One 70, 80 percent. Yeah, they're one of the top uh, teams in the country in rebound margin. They're plus 10. Do you remember a few years ago, Rochelle was like, please, somebody, please, just get a rebound for me, please. Someone rebound but the she, effing basketball. But she recruited to combat that. She was sick of having to bring that up, and she doesn't have to bring it up anymore. Yeah. Uh, they do that, and uh, there was another another stat where they, oh, fewest fouls a game. So they defend really well, Without and they fouling. have under 13 fouls a game. Yep. That's a great point. So while we're still talking basketball, because there's obviously a lot to talk about with the men, the men finally got into that rhythm that Steve was looking for from a scheduling perspective. It was kind of chunky there early on. You had the Myrtle Beach Invitational. You went 2-1 and one there. Things were looking great. You come back, and then there's just like this 
I don't know, weird freeze where you had like 10 days or whatever, and then you had like five games in a row. Wham, 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 wham. And a lot has happened in those five games. Before we go into, I don't want to break down every single game because there's certainly, there's a few things that we can mention about each game that are just like, oh, wow, that's really cool. Most recently, the Quincy Anderson game against Austin P. But in this two-week time where the racers have gone uh, really four and two, because you and I were just talking to Chad and, you know, talking right before Chattanooga, mm-hmm. you have the two road losses against Chattanooga and Bellarmine. You have the one road win in overtime against Valparaiso, where Rob Perry just went absolutely. I'm going to use my one curse word for the for the podcast, ape shit. Mm-hmm. And then after that, you have these like mercurial games where it's like back and forth and back and forth. But you lost it, you know. Like I said, you lost at Bellarmine, and then you you've won your three at home with P, Illinois State, and Chicago State, which is it deserves its own podcast. What have you seen, Neil, just in the last two and a half weeks that you and Kenny have been able to talk about, about where this team is headed or what do you think is going on right now? Because in my perspective, it looks positive, still signs of growth. What, what do you think? A lot of signs of growth because, for the most part, the last three games, the starts haven't been the best. They have uh, not. Whoa. Whoa. Uh, now, they weren't as bad against Austin P. Honestly, they weren't. I mean, only down by two at halftime. But at the very top against Valpo, we were throwing it away. In fact, I thought maybe they'd change the rules where you got points for turnovers because right. we were doing it at quite the rate. That's an affirmative. Uh, at the first media timeout. So that was ugly. But they were able to battle back in that one. Uh, Chicago State uh, is kind of a standalone game in terms of how bad that was. I mean, down 30-8 to eight on your home floor turnovers couldn't take uh, the shots weren't good the selection wasn't good defense wasn't good i legitimately it thought was it was over at 30 to so 11 bad. yeah it was terrible yeah and then you get to the second they all they cut it to 11 think hey get this under 10 they had it cut to 11 with about three minutes to go correct and then it's back to 15 at halftime and then um like early in the second half got it to 17 finally steve he'd had enough and Puts uh, everybody, uh, four, four new players in to go with Absolute, one who was left. Absolutely, just emptied the bench and just said, hey, "If we're gonna, if we're gonna, not, if we're gonna play like this, I'm not watching it. We'll let someone else play like this." Yeah, and they didn't really impact from an offensive standpoint, but they did impact the game from an energy standpoint. I think gave the starters a little perspective, and once they got back in, they played much better. They seemed very focused defensively. They did very, very well. And then made enough shots. So, uh, the, but they can't continue to get the bad starts, dig the early holes. So that is a sign of growth. And another sign of growth, usually with a young and inexperienced team, is there is no killer instinct. You're up 12, 13, 14 on somebody, and then you go out and stu- shoot two or three stupid shots, and suddenly it's an eight point game. Yeah, it's you're a not, seven point. You're game. not putting a ga- putting guys that's, away. That's and that's yeah. part of the. Hey, I'll try this thirty footer. Or uh, and that's usually from people who uh, they're one for nine. <laughs> you don't need to be shooting that shot, right? If you want a heat check, make four in a row, right? And you can heat check a shot. But yeah. uh, ask Tayshawn Prince what a heat check. Yeah. There are there are heat check times, and uh, you need to be hitting shots when you're heat checking. Well, and the one thing that I want to say, let's, I mean, and again, we can obviously, I do want to talk a little bit about each of these games, but I mean, I know bygones are bygones, and you know, racers, uh, Murray State men's basketball. You're seven and four, two and zero in the MVC, and not pretty by any stretch of the imagination. Both of your your first two wins in the Missouri Valley, are both overtime, uh, which is you know uh, amazing. But you're not wrong about the killer instinct. You had that big lead against Illinois State. 
Illinois State made a killer three to tie the game and send that to overtime. I mean, just an awesome shot. Great drawn-up offense. Beautiful. Racers surge in the second you know, in in the in the second chance in that overtime, and and it was Rob Perry there in the corner who yeah. made just a killer three, you know, and that that was kind of a, but it's like you had him, you were up ten with like six to go, so why didn't why didn't you just finish it? You know, go get a couple free throws, go make it easier on yourself, take the wind out of a team's sails by just breaking their hearts. And Quincy Anderson, I think, did that, but that even took. A second effort you know mm-hmm. Quincy was terrific against Austin P. yeah but you had you got that 42 32 lead and I'm thinking okay let's just keep it to 8 to 10 keep them at bay and instead and credit to Austin P. again and that's where I teams deserve credit the racer schedule is top 40 in the country uh just based on RPI and net mm-hmm. I mean it's a tough schedule so you're playing tough teams Chicago State gave SIU just at right after that game Gave SIU a fight mm-hmm. until SIU was able to pull away 63-53. So, like, I'm not going to take anything away from that, but it's like you're not wrong about that killer instinct. It's like you're getting these double-digit leads or you're making these one. big runs, and it's just not, like, culminating to a definite win. I mean, that game in particular, up 10, the next two possessions, two awful shots. Mm-hmm. P scores off of them, and suddenly here they come, eventually taking right. the lead. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I, I talk about the Chicago State game. I just want to like, there was like five turnovers in a row to start that game, oh, and yeah. and Chicago State, I thought they had a really good game plan. They harassed the hell out of Rob Perry and really took the Racers out of sync. Yeah. They did. They put, that, put size on him, and that's something we've seen for back-to-back games. And notice he hasn't had the kind of game he's had. They're putting bigger guys on him uh, to make him uh, not be able to shoot over them. So, yeah. so so far, that's worked. And part of being a, a successful player is learning how to combat that. To deal with that. You, you have to figure out a way, all right, this is what they're doing. Here's how I'm going to respond. But then you'd been looking for like that big game from Jacoby Wood, and he had that against Chicago <laughs> he State. He sure did. 20 points in the second half. Came out of I nowhere, mean, too. Well, He'd been Excuse he'd me. been really struggling from three up until the second half of that game. And not only that, but he had had a tough first half. I think he has many turnovers as he did points. Yeah, he didn't have a great first half. You know, and just came out in the second half and was like, okay, I'm determined to play smart basketball. Mm-hmm. One other thing that I want to notice from the note from the last two weeks, and again, I know that it was a loss. Um, first time I've actually been able to cheer on the racers. I, I really do try to keep a neutral standpoint, but my friends and I got together and we went to Bellarmine. We went to the Bellarmine game, had great seats. We were about three rows behind you and Kenny. If, if you, if you go back and listen to the audio, you probably hear me in the background screaming that it's a terrific press, keep the press, let's go. And that's the one thing I do want to mention. That game was on the brink of being an absolute blowout. And I know, I'm not, I know that this is talking about moral victories, but that game was 50 to 32 early in the second half. Bellerman was cutting. Mm-hmm. Bellerman was moving. Racer offense was a bit stagnant. He didn't really have a lot of momentum. And Bellerman just kept making contested shot after contested shot. And then the ones that weren't contested, they were just, you know, that's what Bellerman does. You know, look at how many possessions Bellerman had in which they dribbled the ball less than three times. Because it was 60, oh, yeah. 60% of that game. Pass, 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 pass. That's what they do. They had two possessions in the second half alone where they had nine passes before a guy made a layup. Ball never touched the floor. Beautiful stuff, if that's your thing. I'm saying these things, though. I love that press. I wish Murray State would use that press more. 
And I understand that it's a token press. I get that it's a thing that it's a gadget. It's like, okay, well, let's just, we need to throw this out there because this isn't, whatever we're doing is not working. The man to man's not working. You, you put together a 16 0 run on Bellerman's floor to get within two after being down 18. It was 50 to 48, and you think just one shot needs to fall. One shot needs to fall to really put Bellerman in some discomfort and just never got that shot. You never could get over that bump. I think they missed three shots in a row. Bellerman was able to push it back out, three possessions, and it just kind of stayed that way the rest of the way. But I really, really enjoyed that press, and a big part of that was Brian Moore at the front. I know Brian's not scoring a ton right now, but if you go look at some of the stats, Brian's second on the team in steals. He's got 12 steals. He's playing really good defense. Steve's got him out there about 20 minutes a game. He's he's Yes, I know he's not passing the ball like a point guard would you know, right away. Uh, I know he's not necessarily shooting the ball the way that he wished he was. But defensively, again, you go look at the numbers, uh, he's got 12 steals, and the only person with more is Jacoby Wood. And I just wonder, like, what were your thoughts about that press, and do you think the Racers use it more as we go throughout the season? No, I thought I think the press, uh, Belmont, Bellerman had had some issues with it early on uh, with pressure. Uh, I kind of thought that would be in the bag of tricks. From a personnel standpoint, we match up really well with putting pressure on them. Uh, against most of the teams we're going to play from here on, we would get murdered with the press mm. uh, if you did it a long time. Yeah, uh, few few spots here and there, yes, but to put that on for a long, long period of minutes, I think would be fatal in uh, most instances. Yeah, some things, some, and and I'm glad you brought that up. I just, in my mind, watching that game, I just love the way that it was so. Impactful. Oh, it was, it was really good. This, and, and that was one where Moore was able to, I think, showcase his speed and quickness. He's a kid. You have to realize he is a, a JUCO All American, but you can really tell he is struggling with his confidence on the offensive side. Defensively, I think he does really well. Yeah, but defense offensively, he's really struggling with kind of what to do shot wise, when to take shots. And uh, he's still trying to get it to other people. But when you have a team, and they, they look at film too, and they see a guy that's not taking shots, they're going to play off of him some and try to keep the passing lanes uh, away from him. And, yeah. Uh, you know, just keep him from driving to the hoop and hitting a layup. But uh, uh, that, to me, he is the one player that I think could take a huge step up in the second half of the season, if he gets his offensive confidence back, right. we'll have a player that uh, that you probably were expecting to have whenever the season started. Right now, it isn't there yet for Brian. Few numbers. Let's just let's just let's hash into it because we're kind of at that third of the way through the season. Racers again seven and four. Definitely worth mentioning that it's a you're four and zero at home, which is a big plus. Steve has said from day one, you know, we might struggle on the road, but let's get our road wins or our home wins. And their yeah. next game is Middle Tennessee on the road. Uh, after Christmas, isn't it? Yes, so you, 21st, you, Wednesday night. Oh, no, so, so it's this week. So, yes, it's this okay, week, so it's, yeah. And then, then then you've got the Christmas break, and then you've got your next game after that is... SIU, 29th. That's right, okay. So, in saying these things, the rotation, at least right now, looks relatively set. You obviously have Rob Perry, Jamari Smith, Jacoby Wood, DJ Burns, Kenny White. That's been your consistent starters outside of Quincy needing to start the one game for Jamari. And then your three guys off the bench, first thing, have been Quincy and Brian Moore, who are both north of 150 minutes after 11 games. Uh, Quincy over 200, uh, and deservedly so. He's been shooting really well from the floor, uh, and the defense is definitely coming around for him as well. And then you have – you and I talked a little bit about this 
before and it was kind of after the Illinois State game where I started to notice it because Steve mentioned something about it and then you kind of saw some of the rotations go in you've had Justin Morgan play 10 of 11 games you've had Sam Murray show up in seven of of those 11 games and then Braxton Stacker made his really his first notable appearance against Chicago State to try and get some just just got to get a lift you know and he scores right away in transition so I just wondered, you know, from from your takes, from where you've talked to Steve and Kenny and, and some of your observations, I mean, what do you think is next for the bench? The starters look pretty set for now and may, may, be this, may be the same starters for the rest of the season, but what is your biggest takeaway about maybe where the bench is headed outside of, you know, the obvious, you know, Brian, Quincy, Justin scenario where those guys have all been kind of subbed in from time to time? Well, Steve always – this isn't a Steve being dishonest thing. This is a Steve – it's his want to in the moment, and then once the game happens, it's a lot tougher to do when you're in a close game. Mm-hmm. And that's I think that's the issue. I think Steve wants to play nine guys, uh, not a lot, uh, of course, but he'll have a primary seven. You'll get an eighth and then a ninth. And I think Murray would be that guy. He's a guy that I think you get to the Missouri Valley Conference, you can help because uh, if you continue to play Jamari and DJ – tons of minutes they're not going to be as effective late in games and murray can help in those areas by by at least coming in and spelling him a few minutes he's got block shot potential he can make a shot he can make a 12 or 15 footer and he can also get to the basket and slam it in his baseline dunk the other night was incredible so those are some things that he can do to help uh morgan can shoot the ball a lot better than he has so far i think he will i don't know if it'll happen this year but i I think it probably will if he gets more minutes because they're setting him up for the shots he's getting some good open looks those will fall at some point when they do this would be more dangerous the the fact that stacker just played in the one game i don't really know where he fits in i've seen him in practice i think he can be really good at times right but um you know they you can't say steve doesn't steve doesn't matt didn't no one plays 10 they just don't generally play 10 even if they want to they just don't usually you're going to get seven or eight Maybe nine, but for the most part, seven to eight. Well, and here, see the minutes. You you just you just hit you hit a point that I think is definitely worth mentioning. What's the biggest lead the Racers have had this year? Have you? I don't. And this is no disrespect. You're seven and four. You've won some good basketball games. You've got a ranked win. Yeah. It's not like your losses have been horrendous, but at what point have you been comfortable saying, "Hey, we're up 15." Let's take a look at some new guys, give some breathers. It's been these eight to ten point, I would call them tenuous leads. And then you take two bad shots and it's a five-point game and you can't bring them in. And you can't bring guys in. Yeah. I mean, your only one is the Lindsey Wilson game. Right. Which you expected. Uh, And they would have had more minutes if you'd had three or four of those opponents. But if you had three or four of those opponents, are they really getting anything that's going to help them? We know they can play at that level. Yeah. They can start at that level. Sure. Uh, the thing that we don't know is, you know, uh, but really this is Steve's last chance to get significant bench minutes. And all in all, I mean, this is a, this is a Middle Tennessee team that uh, beat Belmont at Belmont. They lost at home to Chattanooga, kind of a close game. They didn't really play particularly well there. Uh, Rice, a team that's 8-3, and three, they've already played a conference game. They beat them by 35 points. Mm. So they're capable of playing really well. They've been a little bit up and down. Uh, DeAndre Dishman, who played at Eastern Kentucky. He's good. He's uh, he's their leading scorer. Uh, they have a shot blocker in TFL. Leonard, he's got 23 block shots. The Racers is a the team. They have 35. So uh, he's a guy that can block it inside. And uh, you want someone that plays nine, ten guys? 
That's what you're going to get with Nick McDevitt. He's yep. going to play nine or ten guys. Yeah, that's you're what not he wrong. does. And they do have uh, four primary guys who score. Justin Buford doesn't as much. He kind of uh, uh, does some other things for him when he starts. But they bring uh, Justin Porter and Elias King off the bench. They can score. And then they get some uh, rebounding and scoring help from Trayvon Smith as well. Man, you're not wrong about the up and down. My goodness. They, yeah. Yeah, you, Every, don't, you don't know which team's showing up with them. Yeah, and I don't mean that in a bad way. Yeah. I, I'm not trying to be negative. I mean, they beat Belmont at Belmont. Jeez. Wow. Yeah, I watched that guy. I saw something I've never seen, Ed. I don't know if you've ever seen this, but I've never seen that. Uh, I think, it, I don't know if it was, I think it was in overtime that um, a uh, Belmont player drives to the hoop mm-hmm. for a layup. He okay. gets fouled. Okay whistle and then he shoves a guy and has a foul called on him it was his fifth and he didn't get to shoot the free throws wow he was one of their best free throw shooters so have you i've never seen that happen i've never seen a guy get fouled then foul out before he can shoot his free throws so what they do uh i think in that instance they were able to select who shot the free throws in that instance Speaking of that right. game, Ben Shepard was 8 for 11 from 3, and they lost that game. Check his free throws. 5 for 15. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was unreal. I, I still, mean, he I, just couldn't make a free throw. I still love game. Ben Shepard. I love Ben Shepard. And Ben had a terrific game, but if you go back and watch that one, uh, I think there was a one-and-a-half to two-second differential in the shot clock. They have it in front court with a two-point lead, and he jacks up a three and misses it. So they come down and tie it, and it goes to overtime. That comes down to smart shots. But, we've we've talked I, a lot about that. I, but I think some of it was this. I think Ben's thinking, I can't make free throws right now. I'm please, open. Please don't foul me. I have me. a good chance to make a three. Eight for 11, why not? I might not make my free throws. So I think that led to that decision right there. But Ben's having a terrific year. I, I haven't looked at today's stats, but he was leading the league in scoring. He's having a heck of a season. I love watching him play. He's a I heck too. of a player. He's a heck of a player. Uh, from what I saw last year, too, and again, maybe I'm, I'm jumping to some conclusions here, but I felt like there was a lot of good sportsmanship that came from Ben. Yeah, he, there were, he's a good guy. There were two or three times where he and Tevin like were talking it up, and I mean that's that's even in the game where Murray just boat raced him here. Yeah, that he and Ben were like not rude to each. They just like came up to each other, they're shaking hands, patting each other on the back, saying good game. There was like. They were that could have easily been a very dark, dis, visceral, mm. you know, back and forth. I mean, racers getting nearly thirty points. Yeah. But he and Ben like were all, all po- composure, all professional. Mm-hmm. Ben's the next professional for them, I think. Yeah, now, he's good now where where that is, I'm not certain. Yeah. I'm not exactly the world's greatest scout, but you know, when it comes to the type of talent Ben Shepard has, he's a terrific slasher with a dangerous three-pointer and that can take you a lot of places you mentioned these things about middle tennessee they're still seven and four uh and they're three and one at home and the racers haven't been great on the road which i think is is something you know they've been okay they've not been they've been better at the neutral floor obviously at myrtle beach and and the road has kind of been tough on them one of the things that i want to mention too and again i know we can keep talking about men's basketball here at this third of the way through the season which is crazy the third of the third of the way has already passed us by i thought kenny white was really good against Austin P. Really good after a couple really really clunker. Yeah, he wasn't tough, good before that for yeah, a couple of games. A couple of games really struggled offensively to find his offensive rhythm. He didn't have a focus really. Ed. I mean, he he didn't seem to be focused defensively, 
rebounding, shooting. I mean, it was just kind of an across the board. Just wasn't eh. sure what he was wanting to do. But this game, my goodness, it that's the Kenny White. If you have that Kenny White, you're a different team in the Missouri Valley Conference for sure because he can give teams nightmarish matchup problems yes. with what he can do when he's on his game. Yeah. And I asked him the other night against against Austin P. I was like, where do you want to be? But yeah, and I don't mean that in a negative way. I just mm-hmm. was like, where, where do you prefer to be at the three-point line? Do you want to be a two-point? Do you want to be a jumper specialist? Like, where do you want to be? You want to be able to score at all three levels, but it's like, where do you want to be? And he said downhill attacking the basket, which makes complete sense because he was terrific at doing that against Austin P. Yeah. Every time the lane was open, he took a jumper. His hesitation to start the second half Right there when Jamari Smith kind of got started because uh-huh. Jamari had a tough first half. Yeah. And then just got out. And and co- what, four straight baskets in the second half? Yeah, just absolutely was like whatever. Everything that he was missing in the first half, he was making in the second half. Yeah. But but Kenny, there were just two or three moments in the Austin P game. I'm just like, man, this, this kid could take this game over. I'm going to ask you this too, and I've kind of set myself up here. Who leads the team in blocks right now? Oh, Kenny White. It's I Kenny know White, and it's not he, even close. He's in the top five in the Missouri Valley, by the way. He is 14 blocks right now. These are the numbers that I truly, really enjoy seeing, and that's one of them. The fact that you have your top your top steals guys are your point guards, which is good, so that leads to better transition offense. Kenny White, 6'6", is leading the team in blocks. He has 14 blocks in 11 games, and he baits guys. I think he lets guys get by him from time to time so that he can come up behind them and create that type of a block. He's not going these aren't face up blocks where he's meeting a guy at the rim. These are guys he's like it's like a Venus flytrap. He's letting them think they're gonna get by him and then he's just gonna yeah. and swipe that block. He had two of those against Austin P where the guy thought he got by him mm-hmm. and he was like, Nah, I'm six six, bro. You're not going anywhere and just swatted the ball away. And I, I just I think these are the positive things that I'm seeing. A guy like Kenny White, he's playing good defense most of the time, even though his shot's not falling because he's 7 for 36 from three. He was a 40% three-point shooter for Tech last year. At some point, you hope some of these numbers start averaging out. Rob is your right. best three-point shooter, and it's not close. Uh, and then Quincy's been good in limited action. So I just yeah. – the three is not falling. Those are these are some other numbers I want to get at too. Three point defense for the Racers has been pretty solid for the it most is. part. Twenty nine percent from the field for teams, forty one percent from the field uh, opponents. But the Racers are only shooting forty four point five percent. Not super. You'd love to be in the fifty range. And there's the issue. The Racers are only shooting thirty one percent from three. They also aren't. The rebounding margin's not very high either. You've given you're getting thirty eight and a half rebounds a game, but you're giving up thirty seven and a half or thirty six and a half, almost thirty seven. So it's and you say that margin wise, they're second in the league. That's that's how tough the league is. I know it. That's and they lead the league as far as numbers and then in offensive rebounds per game and defensive rebounds per game in terms of sheer numbers. Of okay, them. but uh, when it comes to margin, they're they're down a little. They're bit. they're 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 a bit limited. I I. I a cross section of the Missouri Valley, and I don't want to get too in the weeds with this, but I do want to bring this up. Missouri Valley men's basketball, I don't know what to make of it right now. Like, where do you? Well, a week ago Saturday, they had about as stinker a day as you could have. Drake got blown out. They were just an awful day. And then this weekend, it wasn't bad. I think they went was it 4-0 today. Yeah, 4-0 today. Correct. So not, a, not a bad day at all. And I would say your hottest teams right now are UIC. They've won three in a row. 
Southern Illinois won three in a row. They, have, of course, had to play Chicago State. But, yeah, as far as standings are concerned, your top three teams, 2-0. Indiana State's off to a great you know run so far this year. Bradley's 2-0. Murray State's 2-0. Then you, of course, have you know six teams that are you know, one and one, but I mean, you're, let's see, I'm trying to see your, your top win teams right now. USC's eight and four against a not so great schedule, but eight and four, nonetheless, Southern Illinois is eight and four, Drake's eight and three, Missouri, you know, uh, uh, Murray state seven and four, Bradley seven and four, Indiana state nine and three. So not, not a lot of signature wins and the league is zero and two against Southern Indiana. Uh, both of those games played there, but still for the record, could Southern Indiana win the Ohio Valley Conference? Are they good enough to? I don't know. Uh, they're good at home, though. Uh, on the road, they haven't had that success yet. But yeah. at home, they're really good. To win leagues, you got to at least be 500, 500 on, the road. on the road. Yep. Uh, if you can win a lot on the road, that's good. But uh, they're, they are a tough team at home. They seem to really draw well with the Ohio Valley Conference uh, behind them. That, that, I think, has really helped their attendance. Looks like a good scene there. Right now, I'm just just worth bringing this up. Southern Missouri or Southeast Missouri's lost six in a row after yeah, their I don't know hot if they start. Injury issues or what? I'm not sure. Yeah, SIUE is eight and four, and they almost beat Bradley. Oof, that was a neat finish yeah, right boy. there. And then you have two teams of seven and five: Tennessee State, UT Martin, and then Southern Indiana's won three in a row as well. They're six and five. Moorhead State six and six. Of course, tough schedule. But you look at the teams that are really good at home right now. Uh, Tennessee State six and one, SIUE, uh, which we know Rayshon Taylor is just awesome. They're four and one. UT Martin six and zero. Oh. Southern Indiana's five and zero oh at home. Just like you said, really good at home. Really bad on the road. You you, you hit the nail on the head. One and five. Of course, some of that's going to be you know let's go play some tougher games. You've been invited to come play this you know you know this SEC or, or you know yeah. a big big time team but well it gets all even from uh after this week from here on out yeah uh, it's it's all OVC opponents I, I love conference play and I I'm, do too. I'm, and I'm really looking forward to that but yeah well like I said we've talked a lot about Murray State men's basketball and, and kind of where they're headed but just the snapshot of this first third of the season is it's you, you I want to bring it up one more time you're that that we just haven't seen that killer big time win yet yeah that 20 point win or that 50, and again You'll take a win. I'm not trying to disparage any of that, but you just haven't had the killer instinct win yet. Well, here's the other side. Whenever we saw this team get formed, we were like, oh, hell. I don't know what this team will be able to do. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they'll win five or six games. I just don't know. Mm -hmm. If they win Wednesday, Ed, they're going to go eight and four into the Missouri Valley Conference final 18 games. And had anyone predicted that, that you're going to go eight and four, you'll have a top 25 win under your belt, I think people would be shocked by that. So if they do make that, eight and four is tremendous yeah. over 12 games, considering the circumstances they've had to deal with. I agree with that. And here's the thing mathematically, you go eight and four with 18 conference games left, and let's just say you go 500. Let's just be. Let's be realistic how tough the conference can be. Let's go say you go 500. Eight and four and nine and nine, you'd be 17 and 13. Yeah. That'd be a dream. It's good. That's a that's a really good season. Yeah. That's a good uh, season in the Missouri Valley. Yeah. It's definitely a good season. And I know fans will go, oh, you know, we want to, yeah, I know you want to win 20. Everybody wants to win 20, but the, the conference is tougher. But to do it with 12 new players and you had to go recruit the one player that, that did return for you, a scholarship player, DJ, to get him to return. 
and we haven't even mentioned him. I just want to give him a, just another shout out. I, you and I've talked a lot about energy. DJ was energy. DJ was another big reason why you beat Chicago State. Quite frankly, oh sure. I mean, he he had a rough first half too, but then his second half was sublime. Uh, he finished with what eighteen and thirteen? Fourteen. Fourteen, 14 rebounds. Excuse me, I, I shorted him a rebound. My apologies. He's probably rebounding right now. Uh, didn't he have how many offensive rebounds did he have in 11. that game? I think that was his career high in offensive rebounds. But of course, to get eleven offensive rebounds, that means you're missing a lot of shots. <laughs> That's an affirmative. <laughs> I, I just I'm I'm gonna go look at that box score one more time just to yep. 11 offensive rebounds. He had as many offensive rebounds as Chicago State had as a team. That's pretty good, Neil. Yeah, well, that's, that pretty is that is DJ's specialty. You know, everyone talks about players maybe having a specialty, and that's his. He does offensive rebound with uh, the best of them in the league. Yeah, but he's one, if I'm not mistaken, he's still one of the best top 20 in the country yeah. this year he in was offensive rebounding. He was second – Last time I checked, but I don't know what he is. Uh, I don't know that I checked that last time I checked the stats. Well, it's – we've already mentioned it. Say it one more time. Women do play at Bellarmine. My mistake there. I totally thought – I was like, oh, I'm going to get to see the Razors. Dang you it. still see them. It'll just have to be on, be on, be on television. Uh, at Bellarmine on Tuesday for the women. At Middle Tennessee State for the men on Wednesday. Right. Obviously, you can catch all of those on 97.9 and 103.7 with you and Kenny. It's going to be that's a hoot it. and holler. Uh few more racers that I want to talk about, and then okay. I'll let you get out of here for Christmas as we approach the Christmas holiday. Uh, Quincy Williams, uh, the Jets are 7-7. Seven and seven. Tough loss today, obviously. Uh, really, really unfortunate thing. But Quincy is well on pace uh, for another 100-tackle season. It would be two in a row for him, despite his early season injury. He had two more tackles for loss. Neil, in 11 games, he has 11 tackles for loss. Goodness. I didn't know. Did you get a chance – did you get a chance to see him today? He had two. He had two goal line stands. No, he was um, terrific. I saw um, what was it? Violent night. So yeah, I went to see. That. Wait, you went to go see with? Uh, is that with? Uh, oh my God, uh, the Violent Santa Claus. Is that what that was? Yeah, that's what it was. Who who plays Santa though? It's uh, it's the guy from Stranger it Things. It is the sheriff. Uh, I can't think of his oh name. Oh my gosh, I have to Google it. <laughs> I I have. He's so awesome. It's a, it's a different Christmas movie. I don't know that a few years down the road, whenever you have kids, they're going to be watching that 24-7 sure. on TBS. Oh, okay. I don't think that's going to Don't think happen. that one's going to be on. I don't believe that. It's not going to be syndicated? No. David Harbour. That's who it was. I okay. could not. I don't know why. I just I just blanked on his name. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I saw previews for that. It kind of did look like a John Wickish. It's funny. Just it, It's, it, you know, it's a humor movie. Yeah, it's, for sure. It's, of course, people get shot and... And ever, killed. Ever. It's like, how do you watch that? Well, first of all, no one actually got shot and killed. They're actors, and it's right. all special effects. So I don't really mind watching people get killed in movies because I know they're getting money for it. It's yep. okay. Absolutely. <laughs> I'll watch them kill somebody or get someone killed in another movie. But it was it was a fun day. Wife and I hadn't been in a while and had a big time. Well, I, speaking of getting killed, Quincy Williams has been killing guys. That's That's basically what's happening right now. He's already got... 55 math rise yeah 55 tackles solo uh he has two sacks this season right now he has another 25 or so tackles assisted and again he does have 11 stuffs that's back that's back-to-back seasons where he has 11 stuffs and i said i said i said 10 games it's actually 12 my apologies uh but he, he is definitely with four games to go 
see 14 games. They play an 18-game schedule now. Yeah, he's very much probably going to eclipse the the 100 tackle season. And again, that's despite the fact that he had to miss a couple games there early in the in the year. So he's Jets defense continues to be better with him on the field. He's doing some pretty special things. And then did you? I want to pivot to John Cam right now in, in the league. Did you see where Ja got ejected? Which time? He's been ejected twice in the last two weeks. I know that's true. That's a good point. I don't get it, man. I really don't. And I get, I get. You don't get it. Well, you didn't get the first one. I get the first one, Ed. After the podcast, if you want, I'll tell you what he said. And no, that's yeah. Okay, okay. That's all right. That's maybe that one's fair. He's going to get thrown out on that one. Yeah, maybe that's fair. Where he where he told the ref. He told him th- something, and the ref responded as the ref should have. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, this, well, okay. and I'm not. And, and Ja can be mad. I love Ja to death, but Ja, if you say that, yeah, all the officials will throw you out. That's probably so. True. Just don't say it. That's fair. The second time, did you see what happened last night? I against, did see that against yeah, Oklahoma City. Though. Yeah. I, the first, his first technical. Okay, I get that. You know, first technical, he's kind of bitching into ref. Hey, I got, I got fouled on the lob. Where's my shot? Like, he did get hit in the eye. To be yeah. fair, he got hit in the eye. Where's my foul? And he probably said something he shouldn't have. Got his technical. Okay. Trying to get the team jazzed up. They're down 15, 16 points. Takes the tech. Hey, I'm standing up for myself and my team. Second technical foul, which I just – this has gone viral because it's actually just unheard of. A super fan of John Morant's, who had probably paid a decent amount of money to be that close to the floor, was talking with Ja – underneath the basket and was like hey man we gotta get going let's get started and apparently Ja was talking about man i'm trying to get started but i'm not getting the calls that i want underneath the basket yeah there was a word before not getting any of the calls he wants oh okay i'm yeah. not getting the effing calls or from the officials okay and the to be fair i i don't like it i don't like that he got the the second technical if he'd said what you said he wouldn't have gotten teed I up guess but he didn't fair. say that i guess that's fair but still i just think it's super soft he's talking to a fan he's like hey i'm not getting the effing calls the ref that was gave him the first tech gave yeah. him the second tech yeah, and well, he was standing right next to him he just gotta and gotta learn not to say that you do i i'll, I'll get that Interesting statistic. Man, he's been playing great. He's when he gets to play and they don't throw him out. Yeah. So, interesting statistic here. He's fourth in the league in technical fouls so far this year. Third is Dylan Brooks. So, you've got two guys on the same yeah, team that are doing a really bad. good job jawing at the refs, trying to get their you know their ducks in a row. And, uh, you know, that's not going well because they're, they're still issuing the text. It's not like it's, it's whatever. I say these things. Memphis is 19 and 10. They, he had another triple-double against Milwaukee. They blew away Milwaukee, which makes the loss against Oklahoma City a little tougher. Uh, excuse me. But it's one of those situations. Ja is now first in every offensive statistical category for the Memphis Grizzlies after the triple-double. He has the most wow. 50-point games, which is only one. So yeah. not a lot of history there, 50-point games. So that'll probably come with time. But this man's, this man's in his fourth year. He's like 23 years old. 24 actually and you're just like how is this happening it's because he's been playing outstanding basketball he's averaging 27 points per game seven rebounds and eight assists on 55 percent true shooting those are all rounded up but that's insane that's absolutely insane right now on the mvp ladder this week he's fourth and the ringer came out and named him the 10th best player in the league 
that'll shift as the year goes on, whether he goes up or down on the MVP ladder, where Memphis goes. They have a tough road schedule right now. They're, they they won seven straight at home. Now they got to go on the road. They play the Suns twice on the road. So if Cam's back, that's going to be fun. More sure. jaw cam action right there. Play at Golden State. I think they play the Lakers somewhere in that swing. But the Lakers just lost Anthony uh, Davis for the next month, maybe a month and a half. But I say that about Ja, and then you have Cam, who's hopefully due back. A little rough stretch there uh, in the early part of December, but it, it, you know sprained ankle. But he's averaging nearly 13 points, two and a half rebounds, five assists. He's been starting for Chris Paul, and they're I think 18 and 13 after Devin Booker last night went off for 57, 58. So it's like Cam and Cam's having a great year. Like I mean, you look at his numbers. His true shooting is 52%. And, again, tough stretch there in the start of December. But for the most part, I mean, he's been holding his own. I mean, you look at him for the season, he's he's shooting. He's averaging nearly – well, in November, he, he averaged almost 30 minutes a game. He was their guy for the month of November. And they closed November with six straight wins with him as starter. And I, it's like, man, like – you know, and then they lost the tough. They they have, they have so many. I was talking about this the last time we podcasted. They have so many one possession losses. Like Phoenix is that one team in the NBA this year that like, if they could just take all of their one possession losses, they'd be like twenty six and five or something like that. It's just absurd. Uh, but you know, that's basketball. That's the NBA. But it's just cool to see. Like we knew Jaw was going to just continue to take another leap. Right. It's right. cool to see Cam. Cam's averaging career highs right now. Uh, when he's on the floor, and he's playing well off the bench. On top of that, his last big bench game was against Boston, and he had 12 points and three assists on uh, on December 7th. But you know, and then actually they lost to the Pelicans on the 11th, and he had 17 points off the bench. And I think that's when that's when Chris Paul came back. But I mean, Cam's been good, you know, in in. Uh, in that spot start, having to wait for Chris Paul to come back. But uh, it's neat to see. I mean, for the season, I'm going to make sure I have this right. For the season, he's having career highs in everything, except the three-point shooting, which is still at 39%. Career high in scoring, career high in assists, uh, close to – not not quite a career high in rebounding, and uh, not – well, yeah, really a career high in in field goal shooting, just about – his 2020-21 season, he was really good off the bench in an 18-minute, you know, 18-minute role. But, you know, much bigger role this year. And, uh, you know, it certainly certainly looks like he's bouncing back uh, to be one of his best years as a pro, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah, it is. So, last couple things I want to leave you with. Um, sports. What are what are your Christmas wishes as we approach the Christmas holiday? What's, if you, what's on your Christmas list for sports? Oh, course i'd love to see uh a missouri valley conference championship for the racers is that the kind of thing you mean like absolutely to see, like to see two of them absolutely men's and women so that'd be good uh big recruiting class i mean it's it just kind of a common thing like that uh from a pro standpoint i want to see the cardinals make one big impact signing uh besides Contreras. maybe yep. one more that would be good so that would help and hopefully i can get to few more cardinal games this year i was only able to get to eight last year so maybe next year i can bump that up a little you were you were at five percent of their games i guess so yeah 
Yeah. I'm just trying to I'm putting your perspective. You were at five yeah. percent of this. Is that what it is? Yeah, eight eight out of hundred and sixty. I can't do that math. Is that right? I don't know. Well, well you no, shouldn't have, have said it yeah, if you yeah. don't know. No, 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 no. It is. Because no, no, no. Because double eight sixteen. Okay. And there's 162 games. Double eight sixteen and sixteen of 162 would be about ten percent. So yeah. Yes, so. You were at five percent of their games. Neil, what I mean, what more do you want? You want to be at all of their home games? Ten. Yeah. Well, oh gosh, yes. Yeah, that'd be great. How would D feel if you we're at every one of their home games. Well, long as here, here's the, here's Dee's trip to St. Louis. She'd need to go to some of them. Long as she gets to go uh, where that Deerberg's Mall is or whatever. Yeah, sure. Where they have the Target. Long as she gets to go to Target, the games are relevant. Okay. Yeah. She goes. You go do what you want to do. I'm gonna go do what yeah, I want. Yeah. So do. she she's happy to go to the game as long as there's a Target run involved. Well, and see that's the thing too. Like I I mean you know me from me from a Christmas wish standpoint. I'm this this pivots to something else I wanted to talk about. I feel like the baseball meetings have been really strange. Like, not like in a bad way, but like it's been a run on shortstops for sure, Mm -hmm. which I get that that's one of the most pivotal positions. They're all pivotal, but I'm just saying like that's literally the anchor of your defense nine times out of ten, and or at least your middle, second baseman probably being just as pivotal. But you had that like that crazy run on shortstops, and it's like who's next? Who's coming off the board next? That's what I don't. Yeah, Contreras, Cardinals made their big signing because, you know, you had to replace the the legendary, you know, Yadier Molina. But like, what? who's the next position that's going to get the major run? You know, that's what I can't – you've had all the shortstop come off the board now, yeah. elite shortstops. Like, what do you think's next? I, you know, I, I haven't paid a lot of attention. I'm one of those – I paid attention to my teams and not as much for the other ones. Uh, if the uh, – you know, so I'm not really sure. There's still a lot of – Guys who can help teams out there that won't be major impact signings, so uh, we'll see how those those chips fall. I'm, I'm not usually a Christmas wish guy for sports because none of those things can really come true. Sure, so I don't ever. You know, you're just kind of wishing. For it's those. all just hope. Those are hopes, yeah. I guess, is what they have. I, I hope the Titans don't limp into the playoffs, but they already are. They're, oh, they've no. lost. They've lost four straight. Lost again today, seventeen to fourteen. Man. Tied the game with less than a minute to go, and then. Justin Herbert was phenomenal, and they kicked a game-winning field goal. And you know now Jacksonville is you know one game back. So that's you know me, be... I don't watch the NFL, but I saw the right. stupid play today that the Raiders had. Oh, that was awesome! That, that oh, was yeah. like uh, the lateral against. Uh, it was, was that? it, it was uh, the New England Patriots. The, the, the yeah the other team, and uh, yeah, it was awesome. What were they trying to accomplish there as time ran out? Uh, let's throw it backwards. To nobody. And then the best part wasn't that. It's the guy that gets stiff-armed. Big dude, too, just yeah. right to the turf. Yep. Just, and he's like, he was down there like a little walrus or something. Like, hey, <laughs> what'd you do? And the guy uh, just rumbles into the end zone. Just rumbled. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So uh, that was, that's that's pretty much the NFL I've watched this week is that's, that, that play. That's all right. And then I there mean, wasn't a 33 to nothing comeback I saw. Oh, yeah. Or, the Vikings were yeah. down 33 to nothing wow. against the Indianapolis Colts and came back and won. Whew. Goodness yeah. gracious. It's unfortunately Matt Ryan, and uh, he now has He's the worst. Playing. What are you, like 60? Yeah. Well, he now has the worst. He has the, the, the two largest comebacks, one in the Super Bowl and one in the regular season, are both against his teams. Because remember, didn't he need a quarterback? Yeah. What do you have to do with it? Well, but he had thirty three points on the board. Well, r- but that's what I'm saying. So it was a soft thirty three. Oh, okay. Because they kicked like four field goals and defense had a defensive touchdown. Oh, okay. But it was just one of those things. Like I don't want to call it a soft thirty three. It was still thirty three. Mm-hmm. Uh, teams were one thousand five hundred eighty two one and one with a thirty three point lead at halftime. 
and that's yeah. now with a 30 point lead at halftime and wow. they're now i think 1582 and 2 and and 1 and uh he he's one of those two losses it's just like how how did this happen like how, uh, it just know. it just did well i mean kirk cousins has an amazing offense number 1 but uh and that that's what happened they scored uh six touchdowns and forced overtime so I'll leave you with this. Two things that I think people should be watching as we get throughout the Christmas holiday. Destiny Thomas, the McCracken County uh, women's women's basketball signee for Murray State. She has crested 2,000 career basketball points. Wow. Pretty, pretty big, big time. Pretty, pretty big time here in the first region. And I think first region boys basketball looks relatively open as well. Going back to girls basketball super quick. Graves County certainly off to a great start. That's worth watching. And then something else, uh, keep watching Twitter because Murray State football is just offering talent left and right. A lot of transfers. The portal is wide open. I think it's worth mentioning this is a a two-and-a-half-week hiatus. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it's a freeze right now as we get into a recruiting kind of a stymie. I think this is one of the blackout periods for for football, and then you're going to start seeing a lot of guys commit probably during you know yeah. right after Christmas. Well, it's amazing how some of that is going home with families and talking over things. Yep. Hey, mm-hmm. uh, what do you think? Uh, moms, dads, brothers, uncles, whatever. And sometimes they'll heed that advice, and sometimes they'll. Eh, I'm going to go here because I want to. Yeah, absolutely. But it's just keep keep watching. I'm, I mean, it's hard to list all the names right now. It's there's. I'd say 15, 20 guys, maybe more, on Murray State's board. And a lot of them have been Division One, JUCO, not a ton of high school at the moment. And, and just, just an FYI, the national champion next year will be from our new conference, as will the runner-up. Yep. So that's what we're getting into. We've got North Dakota State versus South Dakota State. Yeah. Which is always a classic, barn burner anyways. But you're, I'm glad you brought that up. I mean, it is absolutely – worth mentioning that your champion and runner-up will both be in the same league. Now, granted, there continues to be a lot of momentum, smoke and mirrors maybe, but momentum nonetheless that maybe North Dakota State will eventually get that FBS in, in, you know, invite. However, until then, they're in, they're in the yeah. FCS, and they are the cream of the crop, as is South Dakota State, as is three or four other teams in the Missouri Valley. One other thing worth mentioning, Missouri State has a new head coach. Um, with Bobby Petrino taking the uh, uh, coordinator position at UNLV. So the league is going to look a little bit different from a coaching perspective, but Missouri State's no slouch. I believe they gave their defensive coordinator the job. So, I mean, it's, you know, it's like, okay, well, then you have, you know, they're going to be decent. SIU is going to be good under Nick Hill. North Dakota was 7-4 and four and ranked this year. Um, Illinois State's no slouch. You and I have talked about this ad nauseum, but it's worth mentioning again just how good this league is and you you look no further than the fcs championship Mm -hmm. and you're gonna see the best of the best that's where that's it go watch that game if you want to know what the racers are getting into moving forward the semifinal game was that friday night Uh uh it's south dakota state uh, was four it was it at four at kickoff or six uh temperature wise yeah i believe it was four yeah four so I did see a, a thing on Twitter where some people had brought a six-pack of glass bottles of beer in, and three of them busted and froze. <laughs> uh, I That's guess for incredible. the second half. Generally, you're not wanting to pound in cold beers when it's four. Right. When it's four, you usually want something hot. wasn't Friday. It was not Saturday. Good. Okay, so it was Saturday. But it was this weekend, yeah. Yeah, this weekend. They beat the Montana State Bobcats 39-18, to 18, and it yeah. was four at kickoff. <sighs> 
Well, you know you're really wanting to be at the game when it's four and your butt's in the seat. The beers you really, really want to be there. Repeat that again. The beers yeah, they did had some freeze. Bottles of beer that they brought that they brought in, and they heard a and opened it, and they had frozen and burst. Outkick.com, December the seventeenth, twenty twenty-two. FCS. Yeah, here's the headline: College football playoff game played in snowy weather, so cold it caused beer to explode. God. I'm going to just, let me, you know what, from OutKick, I'm going to read the first three sentences of this before we let you guys go. Saturday's FCS playoff semifinal between South Dakota State and Montana State was so cold. So, so cold. The game, hosted by the top-seeded <clears throat> Jackrabbits, this is incredible, took place in Brookings, South Dakota. It's the fourth largest city in the state with a population around 25,000. While there wasn't any snow on the day of the game, there was a lot of it that rolled through the region in the days prior. The efforts helped but did not rid the field of snow by any means. And then we keep rolling here. To help the players from turning into literal ice cubes, both teams had trailers installed on the sidelines. Heaters were cranked on on the inside. And I'm trying to get to the exploding beer. Yeah, there it is. Wow. The temperature was so cold that beers were freezing and exploding. They were undrinkable. Yeah, kind of tough to, to drink them when they explode. You don't want a beer slushy? Yeah, no. Well, gosh, you're probably wondering, you were in Brookings, South Dakota. The morning you left, what was the temperature and the wind chill? And I screenshotted it. You tell them what it was, Ed. The temperature was? Negative. Well, the temperature was one. No. This is the temperature. Minus 28. Oh. That's the temp. The feels like is minus 40. Oh, God. Yeah, that's the morning we pulled out from Brookings, South Dakota. Yeah, that that down below is the forecast for the day. The high was supposed to be four the next day, and then the low one. It was going to warm up. Okay, and just be one. That's why I read the that night wrong. before. Yeah, I didn't think that was mentally possible. minus twenty eight and a minus forty wind chill. I know uh, two nights we were there. I guess whatever night night before the game. We were going to... That's the screenshot from the Jonathan Stark game? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And is it Mike Dom? Yep. Too? Yeah. Yeah. Mike so Dom. we were going to walk to the restaurant. Rather than have a bus, you have to crank up and get us to go over there. And to put it into perspective, it was about as far from Terrapin Station to Sirloin Stockade. Oh, really near yeah. my house. Quarter, so not even a quarter mile. down there, and the woman at the hotel said, what are you, what are you doing? They said we're getting ready to walk over she said you can't do that your skin will freeze i'm not kidding you You can't do that you your skin will freeze you have to take the bus over there trust me on this so okay so because of my trusted nature i'll trust a native so we trusted her and uh we took a bus just to get that far and just to get that far back and then uh the the game i remember Eric Frederick, uh, we're in a break, and he shows me the text that he got from the airport. Hey, airport shut down. So no fly. I'm going to be flying out. Because there would be ice in the wings. So, yeah. So the next morning, we took a bus, I think, from there to Omaha. I believe that's right. And we were able to fly to St. Louis. Does that sound right? Yeah. Yeah, and that'd be then right. then we bust from St. Louis to home. So uh, through the miracles of Eric Frederick, the certified athletic trainer, the the traveling uh, executive for us as well. He does does an amazing job. But that's some of the you know I always, when we go to when we go to Hawaii to the Bahamas, you know those places to Puerto Rico, 
All four sorts of fans want to go on this one. No one wanted to go. Kenny missed that trip. It was uh, Kenny had something going on, <laughs> some sort of insurance or oh, man. some ill something. I don't remember what it was. Do you and Dave call that game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll leave you with this then. All right. it's, with you saying that, that actually makes perfect sense. Okay. One of the things that I think a lot of people are really excited about, you look at the attendance for both men's and women's basketball. Yes. A lot of people in the Valley are going to want to come to Western Kentucky because you can talk about how cold it is right now. We've got an Arctic blast headed our way this weekend. It, yes. It's funny we make these jokes. They're going to get down here and be like, what the hell? Yeah. We, we, we were told it was going to be warmer <laughs> it's weather. It's 25 here. Uh, <laughs> It's well, they'll be thinking it's balmy if they're from South that's Dakota. That's what I'm saying. 25. You oh. will have, and that's the one thing I do want to close out with. You've had a lot of great attendance at a lot of these games, even at the away games, not just because racer fans have traveled, but the Missouri Valley, there's just this strong, warm, welcome type of feeling that you get from all around the league. And some of these places are going to be tougher for your average racer fan sure. to go to. Oh, yeah. But they're going to want to come here because there are the lakes, because it is warmer. Mm-hmm. It's it's funny you mentioned these temperatures, but, I mean, yeah, North Dakota State's not going to be – I know they the football team voted to, like, no, I don't, I, we don't want them in the league. They're looking at something. But from a comfort standpoint, they're absolutely going to enjoy being down here in 70 to 80 degree weather right. during the fall. And, you know, basketball teams are going to want to come here even during the wintertime because as you get up into the Cedar Rapids – you know, type of areas, those teams are going to, even Chicago, they're going to want to be like, oh my God, let's get to Western Kentucky. It's a hell of a lot warmer there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's funny to mention that. Neil, it's been fun. Hey, by the way, thanks for the Christmas gifts. Uh, I haven't gotten you anything yet, but it isn't Christmas yet. No, you don't, you, Neil, you don't have so, to, that uh, is, it is, it is yeah. about the, the amount, you've given me a gift just by like showing up to my house and even want to do this podcast. Oh, man. Like, I'm, man, I make you do a- this. I hold you at knife point to do this podcast and you just, you, you, you acquiesce and I appreciate that. Uh, but no, no, absolutely. Uh, what are your plans for Christmas? Well, this is the first Christmas in ages since I've been married that we don't have to go anywhere. We have relatives coming to us. Oh snap. And, uh, so that's awesome. We're going to host it at our house. And then the next day I go to my son's house uh, on my side of the family and we do it at his house. So uh, we're looking really forward to that. And you don't have a tight window of sports. I mean, there really is a No, nice no, break. we get time off uh, from the 21st to the 29th, and that's a home game, so right. you don't have to be out on the road uh, for that. So that, that part's good. And then the first road game in the league uh, post-Christmas is Evansville, so that's not hard. No, that's then great. You're back Love that trip. Bradley, and then it's the Iowa trip after that. Which so, you've already uh, mentioned, the Iowa trip. We'll talk about that more as we get yeah. closer to it. The Iowa trip is a fun time to, one, learn about yourself – uh, as a team, but also gives you yeah. a my good thirty-eight time. state to yeah. visit of the fifty. Right. Yeah. Not only that, thirty-eight out of fifty, but it gives you plenty of time to actually like kick back, regroup. That's like a I don't want to call it a mini vacation, but it kind of is because you're going to be taking like a you're going to be like taking that. That's a that's a bit of a swing. That's yeah. probably well, that's the toughest road swing in, you, for you, both teams. You leave Friday and you come back uh, Tuesday night because we will fly back. Yeah, fly there, fly back. You know, bus in between sites. Still, the longest trip that we have though is the Bradley, Illinois State, which is a leave Friday, play Saturday, play Wednesday, and that's all bus. So that oh, that's gone six days. That's and, a different trip. Okay, yeah. so that's I think I that's in February. Or something that's like worth that. mentioning. I didn't realize that that was the longest trip. I yeah. thought the Iowa trip 
I, I mean, it's, it's the longest, but in terms of the, uh, the, I meant longest between games. Yeah, yeah. And we're staying there the whole time instead. Yeah. Of, you know, the, usually the OVC, you play Thursday, you play Saturday. Nope, can't do that with this swing. No, yeah, no, no it uh, makes it makes it a little more difficult. Very last thing I'll mention: Don't forget Christmas Day, John Morant and the Grizzlies uh, <clears throat> do play Golden State uh, on Christmas Day. I do believe. Wow, I believe that's right. They have a Christmas game this year, Memphis. Let me Google that just to make sure, but I'm almost certain that they've got a Christmas Day game. Memphis, Golden State, Christmas well, Day. Uh, my, my son and the grandsons will probably have that up on one of the screens in their... That's correct. They do. Garage, cave, or whatever that thing is. Yep, just around the corner. 25th of December, Memphis Grizzlies will face defending champion Golden State. Uh, we love right. to see it. Although Steph Curry might be out for the game. There's already talk of that. His shoulders... That's not good. Shoulders bummed up. But, you know, need to get a win. Maybe that can be... A good Christmas gift for racer fans and John Morant. So, Neil, it's been real. It's been fun. It's been real fun. Oh, uh, oh what were you going to say? I, we're, you just missed it, though. Uh, I, I got to go. Uh, World Cup, we'll have to wait till next year to talk about that. Oh so, we'll get God. that next year. So a, there's, no, the next there's year. no World Cup so, next year. Okay, well, the year after that, no, we'll do no it. Cause Cup, the next World Cup is in America. Okay, well, in three years from now, we'll be talking <laughs> World Cup. We will it, be talking it's, World a, Cup. it's an awesome thing. I know they, they're not going to like go three years without having it, are they? No, they'll, they'll go. It's, it's a, it's a four-year stretch. So they go four years It's like the Olympics. It. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Neil. Ah, too bad we're out of time. 2026. I know you're a big soccer fan, but I'm going to do a very, very quick recap. I like Ted Lasso. Kill it, yeah. Killing Mbappe had uh, – Mbappe had, had – Bless uh, you. Yeah. You need a tissue? No, he's French. Mbappe. He had uh, three goals. Uh, they were down 2-0, France Hey, was. that's called a hat trick. It was. In hockey. I that, don't know what it's called in It's soccer. also a hat trick in soccer okay. as well. So we know you love soccer, but I'll just go ahead and quickly mention it. Uh, uh, Lionel Messi, greatest of all time. I mean, should Argentina. they really call him because he's me- – why? He's incredible. He's a 34-year-old forward who's absolutely phenomenal. Oh, that's his name. Yeah, Lionel. He isn't Messi. Lionel Messi, M-E-S-S-I. Uh, so he like won today? Our, yeah, they won. They won. The Argentinians won, yes. So and, how much extra time did they put on? Any well, they had time? to play – there was a very mild amount of extra time. Ah, so there was a sudden had, death, right? They had to play overtime. Yes. Neither team scored in overtime. And then they, All right, and then sudden they ended death up, in. Well, no, it was shootout. Shootout. Yeah. So best of five. The best of five. Yeah. So what if that? So you, that can. What's a best of five? What well, does that mean? It, well, the way the be, it's the best of five kicks. Like, in, well, what if they both tie? Well, that happens, and then you just keep. Then, if I'm then, not mistaken, so, and then I think it becomes sudden death after that. So in theory, it could go on forever. No, because sudden death is actually like. Well, yeah, I guess you it, keep making. Well, it's like extra innings or in keep, baseball or keep can, missing. It can, in theory, go on forever. Somebody has to win eventually, but it could have gone on from. Another hour and a half, sure. Well, yeah. the one thing that soccer has right, and I do love this, and I wish football would adopt it, is they put 45 minutes on the clock and they freaking play it. Yeah. They're not stopping the clock for this. They're not stopping the clock for that. And then they do it in a second. That I like. They play it. Yeah. I wish it. But other than that, eh. Killing me. Neil, get out of here, man. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate it.